Welcome to Midday Prayer with Vanessa Caruso, a monthly offering from Table Radio. This month in our Rooted series, we look at being Word and Christ-centered. So for today's Midday Prayer, I thought I would just give a little reflection on Josh's sermon, or not on his sermon, but kind of what it made me think about and then just lead in a short liturgy with Alexio Divina in it. So on Sunday, Josh talked about one of our core longings at the table. And the one he talked, talked about is that we long to be Christ-focused and word-centered for apart from living Christ proclaimed in scripture, there is no hope. So that's one of our core longings at the table. And, oh, cool, hi, Heather and a Doug. This is so great. Okay, I keep going. So he talks about being Christ-focused and word-centered. So I just tried to put like my Abby hat on, which is, um, you know, kind of the spiritual formation role I have at the table, and just wonder, okay, what does that kind of look like to be Christ-focused and word-centered? And three little facets that uh, I've been thinking about are um, the internalization of scripture, like not just reading it, but kind of digesting it and coming to know it by heart and love it. And the externalization of scripture, so not just reading it again, but, um, you know, responding to it and it coming out in our lives, like it being externalized through our actions in our lives. So I thought about the internalization of scripture, the externalization, and then the throughness of Christ in our lives and in what we read and how we read. So just a few thoughts on that. The internalization of scripture to me is about learning how to pray the scriptures and there's so many ways to do that. But one of them is this idea of meditating on the Bible. It's mentioned 15 times in the Psalm and it was, it was known to be a really delightful practice, like sweeter than honey to meditate or to know the scriptures by heart. And it was um, understood to have resulted in a wisdom that surpassed any other kind of learning. And of course, meditating on the scriptures is inspired by Jesus who um, demonstrated how much he knew by heart throughout his lifetime, especially during really hard times like the wilderness and before his death. And I heard of this metaphor by this author recently. It's really simple, but helpful that were all mugs filled with like coffee or tea or milk or juice or whatever and we're filled to the brim that's what living in the world is we get filled with stuff and we all get bumped bumping is inevitable and when we get bumped what kind of spills out of us and i like that idea of meditating or praying scripture or internalizing scripture as a way to think of when we get bumped um scripture is what comes out of us or what comes to mind or what what um, comes to our lips. And the Psalms talk about this, you know, I have your word hidden in my heart. Josh talked about Psalm 19. And the Shema in the Old Testament is that, that part that says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God. And it goes on to say, um, talk about these things when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and write them on your foreheads and over your houses and gates. It feels like a, 
a symbolic way of saying just learn how to do it all the time like swim in this in these words so that's a few thoughts on the internalization of scripture like what does it look like to actually get it inside us and so i came up with all these exercises that i'll share on the table forum um, that are ways to internalize scripture including tips for memorizing scripture praying scripture doing an examine or lexio divina um, you know reading one author suggested reading the gospel of mark in one sitting which takes about an hour little things like that that can just kind of freshen our engagement with the bible and then when thinking about the externalization of scripture i've been thinking about how um, reading the Bible is not just, yeah, kind of a one-way situation. There's a few quotes I love, one by Dallas Willard that says that we find ourselves addressed. You know, we stand in a community of the spoken to. That as humans, we do not ever initiate, like we don't start something. It's not that we loved first, but that God loved us first. So every, um, Every reading of the Bible is kind of an encounter, and then we have this response capacity. It's like this back and forth, and we're always on the receiving end, the responding end, the consenting end of that exchange. So I love remembering uh, with this core longing that we're Christ-focused and word-centered, that the Bible isn't just for our own private um, building up or something like that, but that it's meant to be digested and then expressed like physically, visibly in our lives. And it makes me think again, something I've been thinking about and talking about a lot is uh, becoming the answers to our prayers. Shane Claiborne and Jonathan Wilson Hartgrove, whom I both know, wrote this book, Becoming the Answer to Our Prayers. And it was about conspiring prayers. Like instead of like petition prayers or prayers about like, God do something amazing in this situation or this person's life. It's like, how can I be the hands and feet in this situation that troubles me or in this person's life who asked me to pray for them? It's like asking um, to be put into the game. I just had this memory of playing varsity volleyball in high school and I was lived in Southern California and was on such a great volleyball team and I was only there because I was tall and I had a good personality or attitude <laughs> and um, I would just pray that coach Lee would not put me in the game like it was too much pressure I didn't do well I didn't even like it um, I just did not want to put in the game and I feel like my prayer life our corporate prayer life can sometimes be like that like whatever you do, don't put me in the game, coach. But please do be extraordinary and supernatural and do something. And the externalization of scripture is kind of about reframing that or switching that and saying like, put me in the game. Like, use me. Um, here I am, use me in this global situation that troubles me, in this local situation, in this person's life, in my family's life. Like how give me the wisdom and imagination and creativity to be the answer, be part of the answer to these, this person's prayer. So that's really interesting to me. Okay, what time are we at? It's been almost 15 minutes. I think this is okay. Lastly, my reflection on um, this core longing about being Christ-centered. 
So we have the internalization in and the X, the outward, but then this idea that Christ is like the through line to all of this. It reminded me of this idea I heard sometime last spring by Archbishop Michael Ramsey. He said, God is Christ-like and in him is no unchristlikeness at all. Um, which sounds really biblical, but it actually is reverse from what I usually think of it. So God is Christ-like, and in God there is no Christ-likeness, is what he's proposing. In other words, in how Jesus lived and in how Jesus died is our best picture about of God. And I feel like I've spent much more time wrapping my mind around the possibility that in the incarnation, Jesus is God. But what this is talking about is the possibility that God is Jesus, and therefore our picture of God needs to be reshaped or reformed to match what we come to know of Christ. And I was trying to think of why this sounded so new, and I've given this example before, but I, I think it's partly because we use the father-son language about God and Jesus. And we usually, if we see a father-son, like Coco and Eddie, Coco's the dad, Eddie's the cute little guy, we never say like, Coco, you look so much like Eddie. Um, we don't say that because Coco's the dad. We say, Eddie looks so much like Coco. So that's what I think is why it's kind of new for me to think about Jesus this way. Because the, the disciples in the first century didn't say like, Jesus, you look so much like your dad. Like, it's crazy. You guys must be related. The reverse was the case. They were having a really hard time believing and understanding Jesus's claims that Yahweh actually looks like him. The father actually looked like the son. And that's a new way of reading the Bible to me. Um, an exercise that Trevor Hudson gives to, to uh, work with this in a really practical way is whenever we read about Jesus, to kind of take note, what are we learning about Jesus? What do we notice about the way he treats people? Um, how does he talk about God? How does he treat people? How does he treat material things? And then to reconcile that with our image of God, or other way around, kind of to filter our image of God and, and um, reform it based on what we come to know of Jesus. That sounds confusing. I do, ha I do have this exercise that I feel like makes it really simple. So those are some of my thoughts about um, this core longing that we long to be Christ-focused and word-centered for apart from the living Christ proclaimed in scripture, there is no hope. What it actually looks like to be Christ-focused and word-centered. So for um, the next 15 minutes, the last 15 minutes, let's just do a liturgy together. I was not organized enough to like give you this liturgy ahead of time. So it's just one of the ones you'll need to listen and I'll try not to um, be too wordy. It's the midday prayer liturgy from, uh, what is it called? You know that book? I just can't think of the name right now by Douglas McKelvey. You know, it's like common, ordinary, new, every moment holy. Yeah, that's what it is. It's the midday liturgy from every moment holy. And I'll just lead us in a Lexio Divina when it comes time for the scripture. So that's one of the examples I put together in this packet. Um, and a lot of us are familiar with Lexio Divina, but it's just a way to internalize the scriptures a little bit more consciously. 
It stands for divine reading, like Lexio Divina in Latin, I think, is divine reading, but it might be better translated divine listening or holy listening, because the presupposition is that God speaks current, like present tense through scripture, and we are the spoken to. So it's a way of um, kind of listening to scripture that has as its goal, not just like collecting little insights that we can gather for ourselves, but more deeply internalizing God's love for us and God's word for us so that we develop this palette for God's truth in our lives so that we come to know ourselves and know God better. So I'll lead um, us in a, in a very mini Lexio Divina when it comes to the gospel reading of the day. So if you're here now or just tuning in later, let's just take a minute of silence to start at this midway point of our day. Taking a few deep breaths. Remembering that just as God had a body, Jesus, so we were given bodies. Remembering that it is in God that we live today, that we breathe today, that we have our being today. Pausing from our agendas and our to-do lists to remember God. Remember our dependence, our connection to a bigger story. O Christ, our rest, we pause amidst the labors of this day to remember the best reason for our laboring. We labor, O Lord, as stewards of your creation and as stewards of the gifts you have apportioned to each of us for the good of all. Bless then the work of our hands and minds and hearts, O God, that they might bear fruit for your greater purposes. May our work this day be rendered first as service to you that the benefits of it may be eternal. Receive this, the offering of our labors, O Lord. Amen. So the gospel reading for today is Luke 7, 11 to 17. Luke 7, 11 to, Luke 7, 11 to 17. And so for this first reading, um, feel free to just close your eyes and listen to me read it a couple times. And for this first one, just listen for whatever um, stands out to you or jumps at you or irks you or that catches your attention. Um, and there's no pressure to find the right thing. Just truly, uh, we can imagine 
ourselves, opening ourselves to God, remembering that God is speaking, believing that there's a possibility that God actually has something to say to each of us individually today, and waiting to see what kind of, if we walked over it, what would kind of snag us, either in a good way or a difficult way with resistance. Luke 7, 11. Soon afterwards, he went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went with him. As he approached the gate of the town, a man who had died was being carried out. He was his mother's only son, and she was a widow. And with her was a large crowd from the town. When the Lord saw her, he had compassion for her and said to her, Do not weep. Then he came forward and touched the bier, and the bearer stood still. And he said, Young man, I say to you, rise. The dead man sat up and began to speak, and Jesus gave to him his mother. Fear seized all of them, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has risen among us, and God has looked favorably on his people. This word about him spread throughout Judea and all the surrounding country. So we'll just sit with that for a minute. And again, just kind of sit with and repeat whatever stood out to you from that passage. For this next reading, listen for what this story, this passage might say to you. So just as I begin to read it, just open yourself up to the possibility that God might have an invitation for you somewhere in this passage and listen for that. So what is drawing you? What might God be showing you? What might God be asking? of you to know, to learn, to confess, to do. Just listen, no pressure. Soon afterwards, he went to a town called Nain and his disciples and a large crowd went with him. As he approached the gate of the town, a man who had died was being carried out. He was his mother's only son and she was a widow and with her was a large crowd from the town. When the Lord saw her, he had compassion for her and said to her, Do not weep. Then he came forward and touched the bier, and the bearer stood still. And he said, Young man, I say to you, rise. The dead man sat up and began to speak. The dead man sat up and began to speak, and Jesus gave him to his mother. Fear seized all of them, and they glorified God, saying, 
a great prophet has risen among us, and God has looked favorably on his people. This word about him spread throughout Judea and all the surrounding country. So for a minute, we'll just listen for if there's an invitation in this passage to us. And for this last time I read this passage, just listen for how you might want to prayerfully respond to God and what God might be saying to you through this story. So feel free to kind of tune me out if um, you know you're you find yourself in conversation. But as I read this last one, this can kind of be a, a way to respond, to open ourselves up to responding to God. Soon afterwards, he went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went with him. As he approached the gate of the town, a man who had died was being carried out. He was his mother's only son, and she was a widow. And with her was a large crowd from the town. When the Lord saw her, he had compassion for her and said to her, Do not weep. Then he came forward and touched the bier, and the bearers stood still. And he said, Young man, I say to you, rise. The dead man sat up and began to speak, and Jesus gave him to his mother. Fear seized all of them, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has risen among us, and God has looked favorably on his people. This word about him spread throughout Judea and all the surrounding country. So this is a time to prayerfully respond to whatever has come up through engaging with this story. Now grant us strength and grace, O God, sufficient to the remainder of this day, that we might move through its unfolding in humble obedience to your will, 
and in sensitivity to your spirit and in joyful expectancy of your coming kingdom. May the light of that eternal city illuminate our hearts, our paths, our vision through these next hours, O Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening to Table Radio, an extension of the life of the Table Church, a community in Victoria, B.C. Our mission together is to love God, love each other, and to love and bless our neighbors so that we might see Christ revealed in common life. Music for this episode provided by The Preparation EP, written and arranged by Coco Relieve, and can be found at thetablechurch.bandcamp.com. To learn more about our community, please go to tablechurch.ca. Blessed God.